How many were able to be here last weekend? Put up a hand. Where were the rest of you? No, no, I just, I just, last week's message by our beloved friend Sam Farina was outstanding. Not just because of the content of the message from the first part of James chapter 1, as he announced clearly from Scripture, consider it all joy, pure joy, when you face many kinds of trials. He was a living example of the Scripture he was teaching as he's fighting cancer and we're praying for him. He's going through a trial. And the first part of chapter 1 says, listen, when you're in the midst of trial, you need faith that works. And if you're in a trial, you need faith that works. And today we're going to look at faith and how to receive faith and how to believe enough to change our world. The title of the message is Faith That Works, or Faith is an Action, or I could say Faith faith Walks. It takes a step of faith. And so we're going to look at two parts in this message. One is receiving faith. There's one thing the enemy would like to keep you from, and that's receiving faith. And once you've received God's word, once you've listened to something God has expressed to you, believing it enough to take a step of faith. So we're going to talk about receiving and believing. James walks us through three essential truths in receiving. The most important voice in this room is not my voice, not by a long shot. My voice is a minor voice compared to the voice of the Spirit of God that's here. Elwin, you're here. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Another living example. We visited him fighting cancer, and and God has done so. What a beautiful post you made, Barb, and God is with you guys. Faith works. That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about Well, let me ask this question. How many would like to receive all of the blessings of God? Well, it comes by faith. So there's one thing the enemy would like to do is keep you away from faith. If he can defeat your faith, he's got your life. But if you are victorious in your faith, You will overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, the Bible says. And that's what we want to see. So let's talk about how to receive faith. How to receive what God is saying to us. James walks us through that as he says, faith receives God's word, whether it's expressed in Scripture, whether it's expressed in that gentle voice of the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you right now, I promise you, The Lord is in this room, and he is talking to every single person. We need to pray that prayer from the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Let's have ears to hear what he is saying to our church, because he is speaking, and we want to receive it. The first thing that James talks about as he walks us through these three truths to receiving God's word is that we have to lean in and decide we are going to listen. There should be in this place a spirit of expectancy. 
a spirit of just knowing that God is here and he's saying something, and if we could only receive it, our whole world would change. And John, or James, knows that in our humanity, sometimes we do too much talking and not enough listening. Uh, how many human beings in the place today? Yeah. So this is a problem you have. I, I have it. This, I'll just, like I confess my sins before you. One of my problems is I talk too much. No, I, I do. Um, the first time that sweet Darla Joy came to our house, she was only my girlfriend. I was working on her at that time. And she came to our house, and she sat at our table. We walked away from the table, and I said, you didn't say one word. And she said, that's because I couldn't get one word in. Because <laughs> we are a family of talkers, and conversation is a blood sport at our house. If you have a, a better story, you lean in, and you raise your voice, and you seize the table. And so even now, sometimes I'll, someone will be talking to me and I get an idea. And I don't listen, I start talking. And sometimes sweet Darla Joy reaches under the table and grabs my leg. I says, listen. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm reaching under the table and I'm grabbing your leg and saying, listen. Listen. The Holy Spirit through the anointed Writing of James says, Know this, my beloved brothers, my beloved family of God. Let every person, how many know that includes you? Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. What he's saying is, you want to receive? You've got to lean in. And you've got to listen. Intentionally listening for what God is saying to you. You know this and you've probably heard it before, but God gave you two ears and one mouth so that you would listen more than you talk. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's so important that we listen more than we talk. Sometimes our prayer time becomes all about us talking. A list of things that we need from God. God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And we have, we have prayer, but we have no meditation. And meditation is when we pause and we stop asking for things because prayer is more than a wish list. Like the little boy who ran through the living room on his way to uh, say his night prayers. And the living room was full of adults talking. And the little boy said, I'm on my way to pray. Does anybody need anything? It's more than that. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the words of God. So we need to take time in our daily prayer. We talk to God. God loves that. He loves to hear your voice but he also wants your ears. And in order for him to get through to you, you've got to intentionally say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Even as we're in church in this moment, Lord, what are you saying to me about my life? You matter so much to God that he wants to say something to you, which is amazing. That the great creator of the universe knows you so well and he wants to say something to you. And we have to lean in to listen. And James says that. Not quick to keep talking, 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 but pausing. 
I hope you're not awkward with silence with God because God often speaks in the silence, intentionally listening. Then can you see just the last words? He says, I want you to be slow to speak and quick to hear. And then this little exhortation. You see the last words? And slow to anger. Because our emotions can choke out our ability to listen to the word of God which would come to us. It's very difficult to listen when you're angry. Not many amens. But some of you know it's true. When you're angry, if someone can say something to you, it may be perfect sense, it may be perfectly logical, and it may be very helpful, but you can't receive it because your emotions are stirred up. Even in the next verse, he talks about it again. He says, anger does not help uh, the family of God. Does not help the family of God. To produce righteousness? I have um, just some words to share with you on behalf of my boss. The words of Jesus. I'll just pause and ask, are you ready to receive them? Are you ready to lean in? Okay, this is from my boss. Peace be still. Let anger Bitterness, high emotions go so that you can receive faith today. Receiving what he's saying. This week we're going to travel. We're very excited to travel with a group of pilgrims from the church to the Holy Land. I wish you were coming, all of you. I wish you were all coming. Next time, come. And we're going to go on the Sea of Galilee. And there's several things I think about when I get to the Sea of Galilee. First, I, I remember my encounter with the Holy Spirit in 1979 when Jesus spoke to me and called me into the ministry. That happened in the Holy Land at the Sea of Galilee. I remember that. Then I remember when Jesus was in the boat. And what was he doing? He was sleeping. And the wind was roaring and the waves were roaring. And what was Jesus doing? He was Sleeping, why? Because he was at perfect peace. Jesus doesn't have sleepless nights. He was just, and his disciples were all in their emotions, all riled up. They were so riled up that they had forgotten what Jesus had said to them. Because that's what emotion does. And they shook Jesus and they said, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die and Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and he says, peace be still. And then he turns to them and says, what's your problem? That's my, just, what's your problem? You have little faith? Because he'd already told them, we're going to the other side of the lake. You can read it. He'd already said, this is where we're going. They were going to get to the other side of the lake. But their emotions were seizing their ability to receive the words of Jesus. And it happens in our lives. So we need to come to a peaceful place to receive faith. The best place, a peaceful heart. And you know how to find peace in the midst of the storm when things are going wild around you? Always remember, Jesus is with you in the boat. <laughs> 
He's with you. Jesus is in your soul right now. The Prince of Peace has taken up residence. When you receive Jesus, he never left. He's in your heart right now. Jesus is in your boat. And he's bigger than your storm. He, can, he is bigger than whatever is shaking you up, whatever would inspire anger, which brings bitterness, which quenches the Holy Spirit. He's bigger than that, and he will give you peace. And when you receive peace, then you can hear. Let me quote, let me quote from a great theologian. Maybe you have, you've heard of uh, the theologian called Bob the Tomato. <laughs> Bob the Tomato. And Bob the Tomato, some of you know if you have children or grandchildren, Bob the Tomato comes out of the world of veggie tales. But this is important for you to know. When you're all stirred up, when things are bigger than you are and your emotions are all raging, Bob the Tomato says, God is bigger than the boogeyman. That's good. That could have been a proverb. I don't, know, I don't know what your boogeyman is. I don't know what would stir up your emotions. I don't know what would make you so angry. But James says, let that go, because that's quenching you hearing the words of faith that would come to you. Know this, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And I love this. And he's watching out for you and me. Jesus is in your boat. And he's bigger than your storm. Listen again. Peace be still. And James says, let anger go. Let that emotion go so you can be in the place to receive what God has. And then he says we need to come to receive faith and from the word of God in humility. One of the great attitudes that separates humanity from God's plan, God's purpose, and God's power is pride. I'm bigger. I'm smarter. I know more. I'm smarter than, than God's plan for my life. I think my plan is better than his plan. That's all pride. So James says to us, uh, get rid of all uncleanliness and all the remains of wickedness. Let those things go. And with a humble spirit, what do we do? With a humble spirit, we receive the word of God which is imparted or planted into us right in our hearts and that's the word that brings salvation. It's to come in humility. Humility is to see earth through heaven's eyes. Humility recognizes that God is the center, not you. Jesus Christ is at the very center of the universe and he is the one who is doing all things well. And humility says, Lord, I recognize you are Lord and I surrender to you. This is the position to receive faith. The position of surrender empowers you in the kingdom of God. The position that says, I surrender. That's why a moment ago we said, Listen, raise your hand. The international symbol of surrender. I surrender. It's a powerful statement of prayer when you say, I surrender. Maybe we could just pray that simple prayer. I surrender. That's humility. And when you surrender, you put yourself in the perfect place to receive 
the word of faith, the word of God. So we intentionally lean in. We stop talking. We listen. We let shalom come to our hearts, the peace of God come to our hearts. And we turn our hearts to God and we say, I surrender. I'm coming in humility. Now, then you're in the perfect place to receive God's word. But let me tell you, receiving God's word is not enough. Because James says very clearly, it's not just about hearing God's word. It's about doing God's word. So let me talk about believing. Faith that not only receives, but faith that believes. And uh, when we talk about believing, it's more than hope. And hope is an important word around here, right? Church of hope, right? Is this a very important word? But hope is not enough. Hope is good. Hope is a positive expectation or a positive belief. But hope doesn't save you. Hope is a step towards God. Faith is the next step because faith believes enough to take action. Hope believes faith steps. Hope believes faith moves. Hope believes faith takes action. And that's what James says. Faith is an action word. He says faith without any works, any activity, any steps, faith without works, what does he say, is dead. And if it's dead, it's not faith. It's something else, I guess. Dead faith? I don't think it's faith. So James says, listen, it's not enough just to receive. Be in the right place to receive, but it's not enough to receive. Here, let me make an illustration. Some of you believe that exercise is good. Some of you say you believe. You have hope in exercise. You hope. You see commercials. You buy exercise equipment. <laughs> Sitting somewhere in your world, you hope. But you don't really believe in it. Because if you really believed in it, you would do it. Got it? We're not going to put up any hands. We're not No hands. I'm just... Making an illustration. So here's what James is teaching us. Receive God's word. But don't just believe it. Believe it enough to live it. Believe it enough to do it. Believe it enough to work. You had enough faith to come to church. You believed enough to come here. You could have sat at home and said, I believe in going to church. But you're here. So what did you do? You took a step of faith, and for some of you, it was a bigger step than others. You took a step of faith, and here you are. Congratulations. You could have stayed home and watched on the Internet. But things happen when we are together physically and spiritually that don't happen electronically. You need to always remember that. Just supplemental. Electronics is supplemental. Real spiritual connection with people is what God's desire is. And you had enough to come. You had enough faith to show up. So just pat yourself on the back or pat somebody on the back and say, thanks for coming. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. People have invited people. I've met friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Now, as James takes us through this, he says, I want you to believe and when you have faith that takes a step of faith, when you have faith that takes action, the first and most primary work of faith is to bring transformation to your own soul. Sometimes people think faith is for out there, for a miracle out there, for the mountain out there. 
But James tells us, and it's very true, that the first thing that happens when we start walking by faith is that we become transformed people. He uses an illustration. He says, now don't be just doers. No, be doers. Sorry, I read that wrong. But be doers of the word and not just hearers. Don't just receive God's word and say, good word. That was a good word. You hear that word? Good word. Good word. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. I believe it. No, you're not. If you don't believe enough to do it, you don't really believe it. Like exercise, remember? So that's what he's saying. Don't just receive it, keep coming endlessly receiving it, but walk out of here after an encounter with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and you walk differently when you go out those doors than you came into these doors because you've met with the Spirit of God. And, and he has changed you. And here's what he's doing. He's making you more like Jesus. He reveals something to your soul and your decider decides, your will decides, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a change. He gives an illustration of someone that looks into a mirror and sees themselves and sees they need some help. How, how many of you looked into a mirror today? Put up a hand. Some of you should have. No, I, not everybody put their hand up. I don't, know what, I don't know what those people did this morning, but I always look at this. Sir, I know you don't think I'm talking to you, but I'm actually talking to you. And you're, so some of you never put your hand up for anything. I know who you are. You think I'm going to trick you somehow, like it's all your trick. You looked into a mirror, I did at least, and said, you need help. Because I don't look like this when I get up. My hair's all over the place, and when I haven't shaved, and I go, man, you need you need some improvement. And here's what he says: to come and to read the scriptures, or to come to church and to to receive the word of faith, and go good word, and never have any change or transformation. It's like someone that sees some dirt on their faith and goes, man, I should do something about that, but I don't. The first thing that happens is that God speaks to us and we say, I'm going to make a change. We are partners with the Spirit of God. God's Spirit speaks to us and we obey and we become more like Jesus. We're not working our way to God. We're being drawn to God by the Spirit. He speaks, we obey. He speaks, we obey. Who gets all the credit? Him speaking. Because he initiates, his grace initiates. And the first thing that happens is we are transformed. It says that if you do this, if you allow God's word to change you, notice what it says in verse 25, if you act on your faith, then you will be blessed. So how many would like to be blessed? Put up a hand. More of you than looked into the mirror this morning. <laughs> Wonderful. Things are Because you know what? You, you're doing some of you just sit and go, I believe, I believe in putting my hand up. I'm just not going to do it. He just says that when you, when you, when you read your scriptures and you say, there's, there's something I'm going to start practicing. There's something I'm going to start doing. You become transformed. You become more like Jesus. And he mentions one thing, and I will not dwell long on it, but here's a key one, and we're going to come back to it as we study James. He mentions your tongue, your language. One of the key things that happens is when, when you are walking by faith, it changes the way you talk. 
And so you can do an analysis of your language this last week and your language this week, and you can see if you're growing in faith because when he gets a hold of your tongue, he is directing your ship. He is giving direction to you. So he says here, uh, just a practical illustration. He's going to come back to it and talk about it more when we get into the book. But just you can think about how am I talking? Is your tongue being transformed? I guess I could ask that question because that's one of the things he wants to transform. So he says, you'll be transformed. Now, once you're transformed, notice as he teaches, the shift is not from you're transformed to become more like Jesus, and now you can speak to your mountain, though we believe in that. You can pray for your miracle, though we believe in that. When you receive the word of faith, it not only changes you, then you do primarily the work of faith, and the primary work of faith is to help somebody else. I know you're praying for a miracle for you. I get that. But notice James. He says, when you walk by faith, you're going to see widows, you're going to see orphans, who in the time of James had no social support. If you were a widow, if you were an orphan, you had nothing or no one to support you unless kind-hearted people came along. And so he says, as you start walking by faith, you're going to start seeing people who are in need, and you're going to do something to help them. That's the practical outworking of faith. See, James is so practical. Faith is how you live. And he says, living like Jesus is taking care of people who are the most in need. Here's a question we all should ask ourselves. Who around me needs help, and how can I help them? He goes on to say, when you see people who have poor clothing, and you see people who are lacking food, what does faith do? Faith walks. Faith acts. Faith says, I see you have a need, let me help you. That's the practical outworking of faith. And then he says in verse 17, so faith by itself, if it doesn't do anything, if it just looks at people who are in need and doesn't do anything, it is dead. So that's what he says. So we receive faith and we believe and we believe enough to take a step of faith. We believe enough to take an action of faith. The first action of faith is we are transformed. We become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we help other people. That's what James teaches. That's the order of his teaching. And then I'll just say that when faith is active in our lives, when we're walking by faith, we become the friends of God, and this is God's great desire for your life, that you would become his friend. This is what faith and walking by faith and living by faith does. And he makes an illustration. He says, I want to point you to the father of our faith. I want to point you to the great, the great Abraham. And Abraham believed God, and notice he believed God enough to do something about it. He believed God enough to take steps of faith. He walked away from his home to the promised land. He worshiped God in a new way. He believed and his belief became action and it was credited to him for righteousness and he is called a friend of God. And all of the people listening to James would go, wow, that's great. Because they were primarily, if you know James writing, it's one of the first New Testament books, if not the first, and was written when most of the Christians in, in the church were Jewish in their background. So who did the, the Jewish people love Abraham? Right? They love, he's father. They are children of? Yeah. So he says Abraham, but then, 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 then he says, let me give you another illustration, Rahab the prostitute. 
I, I just love the, the dichotomy of it all. Because they would be going, yes, Abraham, yes, he pleased God, yes, he was a friend of God. Rahab? She's not even Jewish. Yeah. And you know. You know. So he says, I want, and Abraham wasn't perfect either. Let's, let's put that one on the table. Abraham, he had his moments. But what it takes to please God, what it takes to become a friend of God, whether you are Abraham or Rahab, and all are welcome. Abraham's your welcome. Rahab's your welcome. You're all welcome to become friends of God by putting your faith in God and believing enough to change your life, to walk in a way that pleases him. And he smiles. And here's what he calls for all of us today in this moment. He says, I want you to be my friend. He would like every single person in this room to be his friend and to believe enough to receive him. That's the first step. The first and greatest miracle is to believe enough to receive Jesus. Receive Jesus into your heart and make him the Lord and the Savior of your life and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. And that's becoming a friend of Jesus. He would like to be the best friend you have. And for all of us that are friends of Jesus, he'd like to be a closer friend. And how does that happen? Receiving God's word, believing God's word, living by God's word. We get closer and closer and closer to him, and we live more in his family as we are walking by faith day by day. And here's what James says. I want you to receive God's word. Don't let anything keep you away from the word of faith. And I want you to believe it enough to live it. And as you do that, you too. Put your name into the sentence. Blank, whatever your name is, is a friend of God. And our invitation is that every person, Abraham's to Rahab's, would hear his loving voice saying to you, I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my friend. I want to love you. And how does that happen? It happens by receiving the word of faith and by doing something. We do it. We're going to do it this morning before we go. We're going to pray a prayer. It begins a relationship with God. And our prayer is always for 100% of the people here, from the front to the back, from the left-hand side to the right-hand side, that we would all be friends of God. So would you close your eyes and would you take a moment to just listen to the most important voice in this room, not my voice, his voice. And would you be aware that the Spirit of Almighty God is arranged for you to be here today through whatever circumstances it took to get here. And he's knocking at your heart's door because he wants to be your friend. That's what God wants to be. Abraham, he wanted to be his friend. Rahab, he wanted to be her friend. He wanted her to be in the family of God. So first, let me ask this question. If you're here and you know Jesus, you love Jesus and he is your friend and you're living close to him, you know that heaven is your home, you know things are all right with you and Jesus. Everything's okay in that relationship. Just as a testimony of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, 
I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand all over the room. Say, that's me. I, my relationship with Jesus is right. Heaven is my home. Thank you. You can take your hands down. But not everybody could raise their hands. And our prayer is that everyone would know Jesus as the best friend you ever had. Not by being good enough. We don't work our way to God. We believe in God. And as a result of our believing in God, it produces a lifestyle. It's more and more like Jesus, helping those who are in need and being transformed into the person that God wants us to be. And there are people here today, and our prayer has been for you all week long, that you'd come and thank you for being here. And our prayer in this moment is that you would receive God's grace by faith. By faith are you saved. By faith, God gives you his grace, and faith reaches out there arm and receives what God gives. And so I'm going to pray in a moment. I'd like to include you in this prayer. And if you'd say, Scott, I need to be a friend of Jesus, some for the first time. Or my relationship with Jesus has grown cold or distant, and I need to renew that today. And the Spirit of God is calling you. The Holy Spirit is calling you. And I'm just going to look around the room for a moment. I'd like you to do two things. One is to lift up your hand high enough for me to see and hold it up and lift up your eyes so I can acknowledge you you're important to God and you're important to us and you say that's me today can you just lift up hey I see you pal right there thank you and God bless you and thank you God bless you thank you I'm glad you're here today just hold it up till I come to you way at the back I can see you way back there thank you God bless you yep. God bless you I see you right there and I see you right there yeah I see you way on this side too I'm just looking on this side right now yeah I see you way back there I see that. Way over here on this side. I didn't get over there. I hope you didn't put, if you put your hand up, put it up again. I didn't look over on that side. I'm going to look on this side now. Yeah, I see you, pal. Yeah, glad you're here today. You matter to God and you matter to us. Who else on this side would say, that's me, Scott. I need to be a friend or I need to renew my relationship with Jesus. Way over on this side, I see you, my brother. See you, my sister. God bless you. Glad you're here today. You and Jesus. Now, what's your past? God is more interested in your future than he is in your, in your past. He welcomes you. doesn't matter what other people say about you. doesn't matter what your reputation is. He wants you in his family, and he wants you to be a friend. Anyone else just before we pray this prayer of faith? Yeah, I see you right there. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I see you right there. God bless you. In Jesus' name, we love all of you, and we bless you. And we pray a prayer together. Can we all stand together as we prepare to pray this prayer? Can my prayer team come and just stand here at the altar and prepare to minister to people? And we lift our voices in one accord. Everyone, please, 100% of us, good, strong voice, because God loves to hear your expression. And we talk to the Lord together as a community, and we say together, Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. I turn away from my sins, and I turn towards you, and I receive you, as my Savior and as my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life to the glory of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. That's a good prayer. Yes, oh, it's wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. The greatest prayer, the greatest miracle that ever takes place in this church is when people turn to God. Now, if you're turning to God for the first time or for the first time in a long time, 
we want to pray with you. That's why our prayer team is here. So in the closing moments, I'm going to ask you to come and let people pray with you. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but in your heart it's beating. You just know, oh, I need to get right with God today. Today is my day to come into the family of God. Our prayer team is also here to pray for whatever needs you have, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you. We're here to pray with you and pray for you, and we welcome you to come to the altar. Also, if you'd like to receive Holy Communion, the bread and cup of the Lord, there's communion on the right-hand side and the left-hand side. We just ask you to come forward and receive communion. Very important that you remember Jesus. That's all he asks. Remember me. Remember that he died on the cross for you to take away all of your sin and all of your shame. Remember that he was buried, but he didn't stay in the tomb. Remember that he rose from the dead, and he's actually in this room right here and right now. You can come. I'm not going up the way. You can come. Yeah. You want to come? You stepped out. Yeah, you're, you're halfway here, so come on up. Hey, why wait? The 10 items or less aisle is open. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Listen, if you've been here as a guest, come again. We believe that God has a wonderful future for you, and we'd like to be part of it. There's a VIP room back on the left-hand side, and if you've never stopped by there, we'd like you to do that today. We'd like to gift you. We'd like to greet you. Lord, I just pray a blessing. May the Holy Spirit, may the wind of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow right now. May our prayer team be anointed with an anointing that when they lay hands on people, lives will be changed. There will be salvation. There will be healing. There will be deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. Chains will fall off as we put our faith in you. Thank you for the communion, the table of the Lord, the bread of the Lord, the cup of the Lord. We bless them as we receive them today in Jesus' name, remembering Jesus and all you have done for us and your presence in our lives. We pray the Lord will be with you every step of your journey, and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says amen. Eh? Good to be together, guys. We love you so much. Please come forward for prayer and for communion, and uh, go with the grace of God. God bless you.